You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Mullins Blitz coming and oh, down he goes. Untouched. Blake Martinez right up the middle on the Blitz and he gets the sack. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey Grump, how you doing? Happy uh, Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, don't have to worry about those pesky Giants getting in our way this weekend. We get to actually enjoy good teams for a change. So it's been pretty fun this weekend. There's been some blowouts, but some really some really good games too. But the most important thing is Dallas, <laughs> Philly, gone. It's true. And honestly, it, it has been a little bit of a weight off. Like even, even though we're kind of on autopilot in terms of viewing the Giants games the last couple of weeks just because of the state of the team, the season, how it went, whatever. Um, it still was stressful to see the boys in blue. You know what I mean? Just just getting whooped and, and just, you know, whatever. But this was finally a weekend where we, you're, like you said, not distracted by any of that, just sitting back and watching football like the the, the times before this podcast. And, and kind of speaking of which, it's been – kind of a year it's been a year for the Giants that's what this whole episode is going to be about um but it's been a year for us too we've we've kind of grown co- quite a bit we've gotten to know a lot of you and in that sense it's been really cool but for those of you who are new here and have only been following us for just this year or just a portion of this year or just recently um just so you guys know like we are available on Twitter at football underscore grump right underneath my picture at the cranky fan right underneath his picture we're on Twitter we interact with all of you guys DMs open stuff like that and the podcast also like if YouTube isn't your thing isn't the best way for you to listen to the podcast we, there's an audio version it's on SoundCloud iTunes Spotify you know anywhere where you get your normal podcast it's available there too but for those of you who are interested in the YouTube stuff, and that is the best way to do it, this offseason, as we do draft stuff and, and things like that, the video stuff will have some extra content there. There will be some video along with it that's um, beneficial to the conversation, things like that. And as we get into the season itself, there's a lot more supplemental content on YouTube as well. So subscribing there actually is pretty helpful. I, I can't wait for that. That's going to be fun. But <laughs> we got to get over where we're at. And quite frankly, this is a team now that is starting fresh. And for whatever complaints we have about ownership, whatever, they severed general manager and hood coach alike. Um, They don't seem to be hiring from within. This looks to be a true GM search. I mean, nine candidates interviewed already as of today with their Zoom meetings. Select few will have a second interview to narrow down to the final uh, contestant, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> but but in 2018, when we did this GM search, only four guys interviewed. And if you were following this show then, we were not really impressed with anything that was happening at that time. No. Yeah. It seemed kind of rushed. It seemed kind of forced. It seemed kind of – they knew who they wanted already, so they were going through some motions, and they weren't picking really – I don't know, qualified is the right word, but really – It just seemed candidate. like there was no due diligence. No. It seemed very much like when they asked Ernie Acorsi for help finding candidates, it was more like asking Ernie Acorsi who to hire, right. and that was it. I mean, but whatever. I mean, this is this is not about 2018 anymore. Hopefully, this is a fresh start that is, in in fact, fresh. Um, and, and also, we can also say that the worst is over right now. I mean, the worst was the... What is going to happen? Are they going to fire Judge? Yes or no? Is when's the Gettleman retirement? Yes or no? What's you know? Is it going to? Are we going to hire from within? Yes or no? That's all rock bottom. That complete indecision of anything. Major decisions have now been made. You know how the which path is franchises to move forward? So we've already passed the darkest bottomless pit of this franchise, and now. Now it's up to the Maras and the Tishes to, to build a ladder out of the pit. That's exactly. It. Yeah. Um, we put down the shovel. We're no longer digging. We hope. Um, <laughs> and now it's time to build a ladder and get out of the pit. Um, but the first way to improve yourself is to analyze where you are messed up and where you need to improve. And the best way to do that is to take a look in the mirror. 
So this episode is all going to be about the 2021 year in review. Joe Judge's final year with the team. Um, Dave Gettleman's final year with the team. It didn't start off bad feeling for us. I mean, when you really go back to the beginning of it, we were feeling pretty elated following the draft. A little bit of question mark feeling about how we had neglected to address the offensive line at that time, but otherwise happy with the trade down, happy with Kadarius Tony, happy with Aziz Ozolari. Yeah, we, we were excited about going forward. We were also realistic. We, we've said mm-hmm. it many times on this show. We knew we almost made the playoffs last year. We also knew we weren't a playoff team. It's a big difference. So we, we were realistic on where we were coming from. We were hoping to see we were hoping to see the push to, you know, compete to win this division. Because we knew this was a crappy division. You know, Dallas, you know, complete you know, as bad as what happened yesterday and they're out and they're all pissed today in Dallas, but they made a heck of a, a recovery from last year. They were awful last year. You know, they were really uh, I mean, they were missing their starting quarterback. Yeah. I mean that's that's but, like but, but, but still, they also had the worst defense in their team's history last year. And, That's true. You know, they played much, much better defense. So, but going into the season, we didn't know that. We thought, and we also thought that Philly would be one of the worst teams in the league. Philly they surprised. kind of kind of kicked their coverage a little bit too. Now, if you look at Dallas and Philly's, you know, record this year, they feasted on bad schedules and they beat bad teams. They didn't. I mean, they didn't. Hit, they lost to us. So yeah, but I mean, but still. We kind of came in with kind of guarded optimism that we were going to continue the growth of what we saw towards the end of 2020. And yeah. It yeah, and it didn't happen. And you could see the cracks starting to form right at the beginning, I think. And and don't think that everything I say in here is such a negative that it – but the cracks started right away. I mean, Kadarius Tony had a very auspicious start here. Um, you know, his minicamp stuff, you know, is it ultimately going to define his career – Probably not. It could, but it it's certainly it's defined a, this year. It's going to define your perception of him or a lot of people. Where right, people are, but, but it definitely defined this year. There's there's no shooting around it that Kadarius Tony was unavailable this year. That is just a fact. And some of it was nagging injuries. You know, I, all of it was nagging injuries, I guess, aside from COVID stuff, which isn't really his fault. Um, but, you know, it started right away with the minicamp stuff. Um, but really... The story of this year has to be not improving where they were screwed up last uh, in 2020 added with injuries. I mean, they just kind of tried to throw money at the problem instead of fixing the problem. The problem was an offense that just wasn't creative. And the thought of just get Daniel Jones some talent, get him some wide receivers, and get Saquon Barkley healthy and we're, we're better – that doesn't really solve the problem. That almost, if anything, it hides the problem. It's repeating a problem they've done in the past. Is they've been building outside in. Yeah. They tried to, well, you know, we have Andrew Thomas and, you know, the offensive line. They made some little moves around the margins a little late to kind of hopefully bolster depth more than anything. And then when guys retired in preseason – that all kind of went by the wayside. You had, you know, then, of course, we had the untimely injuries. So trying to get away with it for a year backfired as badly as it could possibly backfire. As badly as it could. If everyone were healthy, I don't think it would have backfired. I think it would have been, you know, one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, you know, we can we, we, we can get rid of this offensive coordinator and, and get some offensive line talent and we're probably okay. It's probably how we'd end up feeling after this. But there's no way people just stay healthy like that. And in fact, we were just the most injured team this year. And it started really early. With starter Shane Lemieux in July 29th hurt himself and kind of practiced on the side. Didn't really do any real work until the first week. Played one series and was done for the year. That's when it really started. Immediately following... Lemieux on July 29th in early August, Levine Toilolo with the Achilles injury, and then three retirings that same week. I mean, it really started to get out of hand really quickly. And and that patchwork trading guys for new offensive linemen depth, just which then became starters, it, uh, it was as bad as you can really have it go. Um, and we came into the year, despite all of that, thinking Denver is terrible. We've got this week one. It's going to be the first time we're starting 1-0 and in a long time. And that just didn't happen. The defense was surprisingly shitty 
to start the year. And they lost that game 27-13. to Denver went 10-15 of on third down. Ugh. Yeah, that was... <laughs> That was definitely a harbinger it was going to happen for the, the, pretty much the rest of the year. Because we thought, we both thought, if I remember, we both had a, a, as a win to start the season in our preseason. We were confident, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were like, this is going to be a statement game. You know, we beat a team like Denver, a team that, I don't know if you think we should beat them. And Denver, you know. They well, they fired their head coach, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but a game, a game, if you think you're not mediocre, let's start the bar being low. It's a game you need to win, and we didn't. Oh, and the questions, yeah, the questions yeah. started immediately. Yeah, and then we went into Washington thinking. Well, I mean, personally, it was that the defense was bad, but but the offense has got to get it together because we we saw it all in the preseason. They weren't really running anything downfield. Nothing really looked better, despite all this talent they got. They were still doing the same thing. They go to Washington and they lose this game, thirty to twenty nine, on that last second field goal, which was missed but then there was a bad penalty called in which Dexter Lawrence was not offsides but they called it anyway the one thing to really take away from this game is that this was the game where early on I want to say it was if it wasn't the first quarter it was very early in the second quarter that Nick Gates broke his leg and this was where yeah this is where the whole season really started to fall apart because Nick Gates was probably the it's not even close to probably he was the best interior offensive line that we had Right, it, and then there is no question about that, especially with Shane Lemieux not playing at all. Um, and you know, aside from just a talent perspective, he was very heady. I mean, he was probably the smartest guy there. He knew the playbook really well, and you could see in that game that Daniel Jones had to take over the protection responsibilities once Nick Gates went out. And in foreign territory, it was loud. Uh, I believe it was Monday Night Football, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it was Sunday night. Yeah, I think it was Monday night. Uh, no, it was fucking Thursday night. We had that oh, first, we had that that's bullshit right. Thursday night game. That, yeah, that's right. And, you know, you could see in the loud environment, he's calling out the protections. And he actually played pretty well. 22 of 32 for 250 yards plus 95 rushing yards in that game is not bad for, for Daniel Jones. But the defense broke down at the end, allowed them to go right down the field, kick that field goal. They got two tries at it, which is bullshit. And they lost again. And I remember... I remember that game, after that game, I was mad. That was when I was, like, truly pissed off. Well, that's what we knew, like, really any serious hopes that this team could, you know, you, you know the numbers, the mm-hmm. teams that are 0-2 to start the season. Now, granted, there is an extra game, so that might be a little different now, but you're putting yourself in a serious hole. And more importantly, for, you know, division our, game. Psy- our psyche, here we go again. Yep. Another year we're starting 0-2. But, Grump, I guess, we talk about the defense for a second. What was the biggest reason, do you think, why the defense was, you know, sputtering in the first two, three, four games? And then, you know, what improved as the season? What was the biggest problem you saw early on? Nothing improved, I can tell you that. What The performance changed because the scheme changed. What we tried to do was we went out and bought some very nice cover corners. Uh, you know, we got... A Dory Jackson for a lot of money to play man to man, and he is a better man to man corner than James Bradbury, who's already very good. Um, you know, we have those three back end guys with Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney, and Jabril Peppers. So we had a very stacked secondary with Blake Martinez as a very capable coverage linebacker, and Tate Crowder is not so bad at that either. Um, we had this stacked secondary to allow everyone to go man to man and rush the passer. Problem is we don't have a pass rusher, um, and, and it, so and what it, happened those first three ish games uh, is no one could get home, and so no one, even the best cover corners in the league, can cover man to man for long enough. So the shift then became to go back to that same style of defenses last year, where it's a lot of disguised zone coverages. You give up some, you, you give up nine yards, you don't give up ten. You know what I mean? And and that's really where it came down to is we couldn't and, rush the passer. And that's the thing too. It's like, you know, everybody wants to help, you know, increase, improve this team with the offensive line. But mm-hmm. edge rushers uh, almost is an important problem with this. But we have so many holes to fix. And that's one of the things that Dave Gettleman's going to go down with is he drafted Kadarius Tony. 
who's a nice player, you know, and probably would help, you know, offense. But there are such glaring holes on this team that were not fixed. And it's almost like you're sealing your fate for this year by not addressing the two biggest issues on this team. And so I don't know. That yeah. just it, 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 you're just seeing the more the symptoms popping up, more the uh, the warts. And that's one of the big reasons we are we are right now. I, I tend to agree. And we started to see that switch around week four. I mean, week three, the big thing against Atlanta, another game we were sure we were going to win, lost on a la- on a game-ending field goal, of course. But the big thing there was that Blake Martinez down for the year with that torn ACL. I mean, we'll, we'll get more into how, how important that is um, at the end of the year. But also, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, hamstring injuries in this game – Definitely, definitely, definitely important. But we move into week four, and this is where we started to see – this is where I got excited because this was where it was more like this is the team that I thought we had. Daniel Jones goes down to New Orleans and wins in overtime. He goes 28 of 40 for 402 yards, two touchdowns, 27 yards rushing. This was Kadarius Tony's like – No turnovers, right? I don't – I I think there was one, but it was like a end of half – Launch. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it was a hail mary end of the end. Yeah, count. yeah, and this was also where we finally saw Kadarius Tony like doing some real stuff. I felt much better about the offense. We looked steady, aggressive, effective. This was an exciting game. This was a big win. New Orleans is w- probably going to the playoffs if Jameis Winston doesn't get hurt. Here's my takeaway from this. We're talking about week four now. Mm-hmm. We we were very critical of the preseason. How it didn't seem like we were doing much of anything in the preseason. It was going to take – we looked very, very flat against Denver, and we criticized this, that coaching staff for not having this team ready to play on week one. So well, not for nothing. Time, could we have figured out that the defense was incapable of rushing the pass, passer if we had really tried in yeah, preseason? But, but my point is we were we felt kind of excited also because this was week four, and we thought by this time this team has played itself into game shape. You know, they've – they're finally starters are playing. They're coherent, you know, uh, cohesiveness more together. They're in their routine, which should have probably started during August and didn't. Um, it was one of the things we were going to be very watching with a very close eye next year if Joe Judge was still here. Is like how would he change this preseason cadence? I guess, but yeah. this was all kind of part of everything. It felt like it was starting to come together. Like we were, we were now a team ready to play the regular season. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is that one of Joe Judge's things at the end of the year was that he, you know, he said that he learned a lot and that he learned more of what not to do than what to do, and uh, I think that was in regards specifically to this year, not his whole time here. But it's interesting because I wonder if um, going too easy in the summer uh, or or in the preseason, which I guess is the summer. Uh, is something he doesn't want to do. And I wonder if that's partly due to the the national perception of him being a fake tough guy because he makes guys run laps, which I I need to vent about this again because it's so silly. Running laps is probably the easiest punishment you can get in the NFL. You can get fined for real amounts of money for fucking up if they want. But to to jog lightly around the outside of the thing is easier work than the actual work you're supposed to be doing. So I hate this narrative that he's a, quote, fake tough guy because he makes guys run laps because that's not tough. That's just making them accountable for making a mistake. That's how he chooses to punish them. It's not actually worse than Tom Coughlin who used to find guys for wearing tennis shoes or having a cell phone on the side at practice or some other such nonsense. I mean, not that I'm criticizing that. I'm just saying I would rather jog around the outside for my own mistake than wake up Go to go to my locker and see an envelope there with an invoice for a thousand dollars because of my equipment or some other shit. You know what I'm saying? I understand Michael Strahan's issues with Tom Coughlin a lot more than I would understand any player's issues with running laps with Joe Judge. Well, also, I think there might have been some media people who had a bone to pick with Joe Judge for whatever reason. Oh, because he's from know. New England. That and that just... that storyline is already printed that he's another New England failure. Right. Right. So, and then another one trying to be Bill Belichick, which, by the way, at his press conferences and things like that, he does not at all sound like Bill Belichick. Oh, would Bill Belichick ever have an 11-minute rambling answer to a question? If he were drunk. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, so we, we come off of that game and we go to Dallas week five, and that's where the wheels just fly off the car. This is like the proverbial, like, 
<laughs> this is like National Lampoon's Giants 2021 season, right? I mean, this is like and Chevy Chase wrote the script for this and, year. And I remember this game very succinctly because I was down in uh, in Tampa because it was during the playoffs. And I remember I was at a bar and, um, you know, oh. Rays playoffs or the big screen in front of me, Giants are just to the left. And I'm like kind of focusing 60-40 on baseball. Every time I look over... Something bad's happening on the other screen. And I'm like, what the hell is going on today? It was just this, bad. This was probably the worst. I mean, this really was the wheels coming off the car right here. This is where we saw the injuries just explode. Because I came into this game thinking like, fuck Dallas. We've got this. Coming off that Saints game, I it was like, it was like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. It's like you finally saw all those mess of pieces. Like, that's how they go together. And now you and just got to put them in. And none of us were believers in Dallas at the time either. I mean, it was just kind of Well, there like, was that too. But also it was yeah. finally like everything we saw prior to the Saints game was us figuring it out. Now we've got it. Well, I don't necessarily disagree with all of that. Some of that is just like Jason Garrett just doesn't have it. That's just – it is what it is. But the injuries piled up immediately. Andrew Thomas, Jabril Peppers – Saquon Barkley. That's this is the game where Barkley rolled I mean, his ankle. If you want to do like the Mount Rushmore, who like the four most important players on the team, that you got most of them right there. Oh, you want the fourth one? This is oh. Daniel Jones's concussion game. Yeah, I mean, what's left? Yeah, uh, Kenny Galladay hurt his knee. He hyperextended his knee midway through the game. Matt Skura hurt his leg, and, and Kadarius Tony, despite going ten of thirteen for 189 yards and just barely missing a touchdown hurt his ankle in this game. He was playing hurt for like half of the game. Yeah. Um and this was this was where I I was like probably one of the lighter critics I think of Jason Garrett, but after this game and the series of play calls that led to Daniel Jones getting a concussion, we ran the same play two times in a row and then we ran the rollout variation of it on third down or maybe that was no, that was third down. And and then Daniel Jones went out there with nobody blocking in front of him and just got a, just a train wreck. Yeah. Um, and then all of that just to have Mike Lennon go in there and run a QB sneak for a touchdown like it was the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> right after that, yeah, this Boy, was this was where I was like, "Fuck Jason Garrett!" Seriously. To the end of the season, huh? We're thinking about Mike Lennon. <laughs> yeah. Um, also of note is that Mike Lennon did not look horrendous in this game. He didn't look good, but he he. He didn't look consistently late or off or anything like that. I mean, he just he just looked like a backup. We we speculated quite a bit towards the end of the season. There was something wrong with Mike Glennon physically. Well, he got or, rocked in this game, and then he just kept getting rocked. So yeah, exactly. Like, did he did he have some sort of a lingering, a low level concussion or something? Because they didn't sign this guy to be this bad. I mean, nobody expected him to be that. No, bad. he had career lows. Yeah, but he was just he was unplayable. I mean, the only reason he was playing towards the end was, you know, we, we'll we get into this later in the, in the second half of the season, but he had to play. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't want to get into the second half of the season. There's still hope right now, so let's keep going. Yeah, well, you know, the, the following game, I don't – I mean – this was the Rams game. They lost thirty-eight to eleven, but really it was basically fifty to nothing. Um, right. I could have I could have not gone to this game. Would have been great. Um, but again, this is one where this is where Andrew Thomas was trying to play hurt, and this is where he really hurt himself, and then he got put on IR. It, mm-hmm. it, and this was that was early. I want to say that was like the first quarter. Tony again with the ankle. This is where CJ Board broke his arm. Where you know. Giants fans might be like, well, C.J. Board hurt himself. Like, remember, Sterling Shepard wasn't playing at this time. Darius Slayton wasn't playing at this time. C.J. Board was important for this game, and he broke his arm. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like he couldn't just, like, CJ, tough it out. Had play, he had to play out of necessity. And, you know, you could only have, you know. And also, so he's not terrible. quality receivers out to play. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's fairly sure-handed. He's very fast. You know, he's fairly responsible where he's supposed to be at the right time. He's just... You know, he's depth, but, but like, he's not garbage. Um, so, whatever. This game was was an absolute blowout. It was disgusting. I'm sad I went to it. And I remember remarking that there was, like, a 9,000-year-old man that was a Giants fan that made it to this game. And, like, six people helped him to his seats, like family members, all to just see this debacle. I, I just felt so bad for him. I think it was the only game I missed this year. And uh, 
Yeah, I think so. I wasn't so. too upset about that. Yeah. Um, and then, again, this is where it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, Daniel Jones is playing again. They go to week seven. They play Carolina. You know, who was better than us at this point? They were like almost 500. I want to say they were like three and four, four and three. And we were still that lowly one and five, one and four, whatever the fuck we were at this point. One and one and five. Um, and we kicked the shit out of them. 25 to three. The defense was outstanding. We got Darnold benched. Um, mm-hmm. The offense managed to scheme around the O-line, the O-line pretty well. I mean, they, they used Jones effectively in a lot of ways to get him off the point of launch, uh, away from pressure and things like that. Because, you know, not a bad team defensively for Carolina there. Um, mm-hmm. But offensively, I mean, we, we re- there were six sacks in this game and seven tackles for a loss. Um that's pretty impressive. And by the way, Daniel Jones in the offense was playing without Andrew Thomas, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, and Sterling Shepard in this game where they went 25-3. to And then that following week, they they played Kansas City. And this was a game where Kansas City was playing shitty. I felt for real like, again, this – I didn't want to say like I felt confident. It just – it felt like this was the team – that we were ready to see, so I felt okay. This was about the right this. time. If we're, if we're going to catch a team like Kansas City, this was the this was the time. They were scuffling really right. bad. There were all sorts of questions about what's going on in Mahomes, blah blah blah, and uh, they tried to give it to us. <laughs> it wasn't like they blew us out or anything. Not even close. We were one of the few teams to hold them to twenty points or less, and they yeah. lost twenty to seventeen. This was a very close game that Kansas City easily could have lost and probably should have. Remember, the Giants were still short-handed at this time. Um, yeah. So, and, and a common theme for this season so far is definitely losers lose. I mean, there's a lot of these games where you know we lose to Atlanta in, in the last second with a game like this. Well, we just sort of lost. Like we just we we did not know how to win by the time we get in week six, seven at all. And we were just losing games. I mean, it just, it just felt like it was just little mistake after little mistake. We went into the final game before the bye week. We're playing the Raiders, uh, another AFC West opponent. Um, and this was another one where it was kind of close, but felt pretty good about it. 23, 16, mm-hmm. Devonte Booker ran for basically a hundred yards. Um, felt like, you know, it, we were very conservative about this, but it was a dangerous team to be aggressive against. You know what I mean? With with Max Crosby having the year that he had, um, it really wasn't smart to drop back too much. But they, they, they called the game conservative but also effectively. They attacked the right weaknesses. And frankly, the defense was locked down because I don't really believe in a lot of what Las Vegas was doing offensively this whole year despite their trip to the playoffs, etc. This was a good game. Now, if you look at the stretch... If you look at the stretch, you have that Atlanta game. You have that Washington game. You lose by one point. The Atlanta game, you lose on a game-ending field goal too. You beat New Orleans in overtime, a much much better team than than they are. Um, then you have the Dallas loss. You know you lost half the team to injury. Those guys are still injured for the the Rams game. And then you know some guys start coming back. You kick the shit out of Carolina. You barely lose to Kansas City. You beat the crap out of the Raiders. It didn't really feel like like it just felt like nothing was going right. It didn't feel like they were just completely unhinged and and just just terrible, right? Well, I mean, again, we've said it all along that we think this team spiraled out of control when right when off the bat. The, yeah, well, when the, when the injuries started to become too much to overcome, we thought before the season started that this roster was not one of the five worst rosters in the league, and no. We can, but they we can are now. Some of these teams, but you know something: when you start losing everybody, then you are one of the five worst teams in the league, and rightfully so. But there is stuff for all of you New York residents to get excited about. DraftKings Sportsbook is officially live in New York State with mobile sports betting just in time for football playoffs. Right now, you can place a bet from anywhere in New York with DraftKings Sportsbook, including from the comfort of your couch. To add to the excitement, DraftKings is giving new customers a special offer that you don't want to miss. Bet just $5 on any playoff game and win $280 in free bets if your team is victorious. 
The wait is finally over. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of DraftKings' great promotions and features, including same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, just like me. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Oh, grump. How about that? We have a a sponsor. We do. Thank you, DraftKings, and a sponsor that... I actually use. Uh, there you go. We, no, we never talk on this show ever about gambling. Very, what, very, very, very. We rare. never talk about fantasy. We never talk about betting. What about lines or anything from that perspective? And we're not going to all of a sudden pivot like every other sports show does, where it's all we care about gambling. We're not going to do that. But you know, I do gamble. On now, I've been waiting for this moment to have New York legal, so we can we can bet on sports and. Uh, Hey, you can stop coming over my house. Yeah, that's the reason why I was visiting you in Jersey. But now that we have it, it's it's been fun. And the last, you know, since last Saturday, I've uh, done pretty well. I, you know, we're recording this on Monday night, right before the uh, the Arizona game, and I am right now five and zero with the spreads on on the playoff game so far. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use Just Giants, which is our promo code, and get fifty six to one odds on any team in honor of Lawrence Taylor, probably, maybe. Probably. Bet just $5 and you can win 280 in free bets if your team wins. So remember, guys, promo code JUSTGIANTS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 56 to 1 odds. Lawrence Taylor, it's easy to remember. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full details. Must be 21 years or older and physically present in New York. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Um... And this is where I, I mean, this is where it all came to a head. They come out of the bye, they go to Tampa Bay, and I'm feeling confident. I think I might have agreed to a bet that I'm still being beholden to about this game. We and, two and of them. <laughs> they 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 look terrible. They lose to Tampa Bay thirty to ten. Jason Garrett gets fi- fired the following day. Should have been fired at the end of last year. Joe Judge wanted him fired at the end of last year. Um and, and this, this was the outrage game. This is the game, you know, it's on national TV. Everybody's watching it. You have, you know, uh, Lewis Riddick, who, you know, is still bent about not getting the GM job. Just, you can see the glee in his eyes as he's ripping on this team. You know, and it's just, you know, Giants Twitter explodes. The national media explodes. Something has to be done. And unfortunately... The way the mayors seem to work is it, it takes that real flashpoint of outrage. Oh, oh the whole world and, knows we suck now. Exactly the whole world is telling me that I suck? Okay, then I'll do I'll do what you say, Joe. Right, and this is one of those moments. I remember watching this. I was on vacation watching it at the bar at the pool, and it's just like I could feel it 5,000 miles away. Yeah. Something, is gonna be, something has to happen this week. This, this can't go on because now the snowball is downhill really, really fast. Yeah, and I wonder if it was Mara that made Judge retain Garrett or if it was Gettleman. I think it was Mara. Yeah, I guess it would have to be, right? I, I would think so. I mean... Or maybe I guess maybe it was both of them, right? I, I, I think this is a Mara thing. I think that, I think Mara is always like Garrett all the way, always wanted him to be in this organization. He, you know... Not not inherited, but like he kind of he, he was hoisted on uh, Joe Judge in the very beginning, and I just think the only person that would allow him to get fired would be Mayor, and I think he finally gave the okay that it could be done. Now that's not saying that they didn't go and say I think we need to make a move sooner than that, but I think this was the moment with that flashpoint where they have to do something. Yeah, yeah. And then you see what the offense is like with Freddie Kitchens following that. It's it's only slightly better, but. They well, beat Philadelphia thirteen to seven the next week. Let's be fair. He only had Daniel Jones for one week with Freddie Kitchens. Two. No, yeah, you're right. It was just that one week. Um, right. And and right. and not for nothing, he also had one week to not even a short week because that game was on Monday night, that That's Tampa correct. Bay game. So he had a short week to run Jason Garrett's playbook and come up with an offensive game plan, which, by the way, Joe Judge was helping him with. It was just that Freddie Kitchens was calling the plays, mm-hmm. um, and to, to play a division rival. And thankfully, Patrick Graham continued steady play. You know, four turnovers without several key players. That's that's pretty impressive. Also, Philly 
not that good. Um, you know, the offense was schemed pretty well, but the offensive line played very bad in this game. And and not surprising, right? Because Philly's defensive line is probably their biggest strong suit, um, except for maybe their offensive line. Uh, and the offensive line is definitely the Giants' weakest point. So not surprised, but... You know, they were able to eke out a win. They 13 points is more it's more than they scored against Tampa Bay. So They made something. Jalen Hurts look really bad. And that was the key to this thing. They did. But I mean, also he might be. So um <laughs> And then so in that game, I, I believe it was like the first drive, Daniel Jones had like it might have even been the first play where he just kind of like tucked it and ran. He got kind of like crunched a little weird, and that became the neck injury. That would shut him down for the rest of the year. Going into week 13, they play... And by the way, that's when the season is officially over. Mathematics be damned. It doesn't matter if they were one seed at this point and they were 12-5 and and they were going to go anyway, clinched, home field advantage. They're losing that first playoff game anyway because Daniel Jones isn't playing. Grump, at the time, did you feel like his season was over, Daniel Jones? Because... Well, no, like, oh, because it was so fucking weird. I mean, it was no, just... No, no, no. When they first announced the injury, did you feel like, okay, no. he'll be back in a couple weeks, or did you think this could be the end of it? No, I had no idea. Like I said, the initial reporting was so strange. It wasn't even immediately after the game. It was like mm-hmm. the next day, and it was like, oh, he's got this neck thing now. And then, you know, then, then there was, there was like... Report, there was like... He's out for the year, and then he won't be out for the year. There was... It was he had to see all these extra. Do- I think I think I started to suspect it like when it became he was seeing multiple multiple doctors. That usually yeah. means that you you got an answer you don't like, and you're trying to overrule it, which is usually bad. Um, that's when I started to get a little worried about that. But I mean, as far as worried about the season, the season was over. So yeah, um, I guess. The whole situation was just weird the way it was reported. And there was even that brief moment where there was a retraction in the post because they said it happened the week before against the Bucks, And then then that, that came out as that was just bad information. Um, that, that's where This is where the carpenter came from and, and all that. <laughs> um, and that's, that's, that's really when the season ended was week, week 12 beating the Eagles. Um, they go to Miami and, you know, under under Glennon, they just looked horrendous. Uh, but also, this is when we really started to see the conservative nature of Joe Judge get under the skin of Giants fans. Now, understandably, they are dealing with a backup quarterback. Joe Judge probably knows that Daniel Jones does not have a good outlook on playing for the rest of the year. So, But even so, packing it in at week 13 in an 18-week season is, is a tough pill to swallow. So... Yeah, that, I mean, that conservative nature—they lose this game twenty to nine. Uh, it's it, it. The criticism for Joe Judge starts to get really loud around this time. Yeah, because like you know, you're always looking for a scapegoat. You always want the easy solution, the easy quick fix to, to solve. If you don't want to face reality, I think, and I think a lot of fans think that you know because of that run last year where they almost made the playoffs thought that this roster was actually better than it is and injuries you know that's that uh everybody has injuries next man up and so you factor those two things in you're looking for who's the guy i can blame Mm -hmm. and you know for two years two plus years it was jason garrett well when jason garrett's gone who's next yeah and but but that also that that silliness in in looking at it that way is just you're not accounting for the injuries that are just nobody's fault. You're not accounting for. I'm not giving anybody passes for what they think. I'm just saying how. No, I, I understand. And you start getting this mob mentality. And now in this day and age, we're talking in 2022 now, where you know a meme gets out, and it just you know it goes through the internet in in in, in 15 minutes. Every talking head on every show is saying the same thing. They're all parroting each other. And, you know, you talk to people, you know, and they're just – they're basically saying exactly what they heard on Morning Take or, you know, what they're reading in the Daily News or what they're saying on The Fan. And it's just nobody looks at anything objective anymore or with their own eyes. they just following the mob, you know, narrative. And at this point, it's almost impossible to – we thought at the time there was still a chance that – you know, 
Daniel Joe uh, Joe Judge could be salvaged. We, we at the time we were pretty sure he was coming back. Is right around this time was when the reports were he would be back next year, which made a lot of people angry. But we thought even if he's coming back, he could be salvaged still. But unfortunately, in the next couple of weeks, it became unsalvageable. I guess. Yeah. Um. And just for the record, I I do think that Joe Judge can be a decent head coach in the NFL. I mean, he is young, so all the things that I have to complain about, the time management, he can change those. Those are not stuck in him kind of Mike McCarthy fake, I took a year off to listen to the analytics and change my ways and then actually admit that that was not true at all and go right back to your same bullshit. You know, the time management stuff, the conservative nature things, he can actually improve on those over time. Joe Judge was... Joe Judge was the scapegoat. He was. I mean, he was, but but he also did need to get fired, in my opinion. Given I, given, and it's not his. It's more Mara's fault in the way they handled everything. Post Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin, all came to this point where it just falls on Joe Judge because of poor decision after poor decision. That's my actual take from that. But yeah, my, but every other game that followed that Miami game, once we knew Daniel Jones was done, and what we saw out of Mike Lennon, those following games against the Chargers, Cowboys, Eagles. Uh, Chicago and Washington, the games themselves weren't the stories. The stories were more injuries. I mean, at this point, it was just like <coughs> the only thing newsworthy, Leonard Williams hurt his elbow. Kadarius Tony tests positive for COVID. He doesn't play again. Ben Bredesen hurts his leg. Shep tears his Achilles against Dallas. Yeah. Pe- tears his ACL against Philly. One of the worst things that could have happened. Um, you know, in, in Week 17, even Mike Glennon gets hurt. I mean, come on. And that's where we get the big Joe Judge answer to the media, which became the story up until probably well, now. Well, the two biggest stories about Joe Judge, which, you know, I think are kind of irrelevant personally, but, you know, the people latched on to it were the press conference hmm. and the quarterback sneak on 39, mm-hmm. which, you know, if you are – and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die on this hill – about that one. I have been all along with Twitter, friends, whatever. What are you supposed to do in that situation? This kind of, again, this, you know, jockey attitude of like, oh, you play every play. That's not playing to win. It's embarrassing. It's like, you saw what this offense has been reduced to. You see the complete lack of confidence in a guy like Fromm. You see what this offensive line can't do, what this running game can't do. It was an insignificant play in an insignificant part of a game in an insignificant season. But people thought that was the, aha, that's why this coach has to go. And when shit's flowing downstream, it's going to take everything with it. And that became a, a video meme that encapsulates all that's wrong with this team. Nothing wrong with it on its own, but it's just one of those you see and there's nothing you can do. It's just one of those things where you just don't have the credibility to do that. You know what I mean? I understand what he did. I probably would have done the same thing. I've made jokes about doing that the whole year. I mean, Steve Spurrier punts on third down and he's still revered. You know, looked back on because he has the credibility to say, it ain't my fault. This team sucks. And then I'm punting. Forget it. You know what I mean? That's kind of where JoJo was. It's not my fault. This roster sucks. Everyone that I want to be playing is hurt. Right. Forget it. I'm just going to run a quarterback sneak and get the hell out of here. It's the last game of the year. Who gives a shit? If Bill Belichick does that, nobody in New England cares. If anything, they back Bill Belichick and criticize the roster. You know what I mean? It's like, this guy's hurt. We got to get something better. We got to figure that this guy's always hurt. We got to get somebody else better to do that. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. Joe Judge doesn't have the credibility to do the right thing in that time. He has to to avoid criticism, run a real play, which is stupid, and he didn't do that. Okay, whatever, that's fine, but still, again, people act like this was like... No, 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 I'm on your side here. I'm on your side here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying, it's just... You lose all sense of perspective, because you're in a mob. You know, mobs act that way. You know, Mm. they... When there's the riots are going on, and and you name your city for your name, what reason, but people do not act like rational, civilized people. They... You go down to your basic... Instincts, you know, savagey in- instincts of just you know you're not thinking. And again, I'm not equating giant fans in a losing season to I get mobs it. that have happened throughout history. But it's just kind of like you stop, you stop 
taking a step back and thinking of things analytically or in any sort of perspective. It's just as another thing. I'm, I'm embarrassed by something else. Something has to change. What can I do to change it? And, yeah. At the end of the season, John Mara has rightfully, I mean, I guess, smacked the back of the horse that Dave Gettleman is riding into the sunset and then savagely swung the axe at Joe Judge. Um, so we're in the position now where we are hiring a new general manager. Those interviews, the first round of interviews are done. Nine GM candidates, and now we are going to hear about, you know, when the news breaks, we're going to hear about the ones that are invited back for a second interview, which I believe are they're in-person interviews. Um, and, you know, that person apparently has control over the vision of this organization, which includes the coaching choices. What are these people inheriting right now? And what is the state of this team? This team that I stand by, if they were healthy, would have been about a middle-of-the-pack fringe playoff team, probably has a better shot at replacing Philly and their wild-card seed um, but they weren't healthy. They weren't ready for the season. They had a bad offensive coordinator. They just let start the year. And therefore, this is what is the remain the charred remains of this roster. Um, what are they? What is this person inheriting? I think it's a to be known because, mm. quite frankly, there's going to be a lot of decisions that have to be made on this roster to get ourselves out of salary cap hell. That you know, if you look at the final fifty three or the fifty three. You know, men, if they want to keep going forward, some of these guys are going to be cap casualties. So it's probably going to be less than we even have at this moment. I mean, all we really have right now that we can kind of say definitively is part of this team going forward is a left tackle. Well, I mean, I mean, that's that's one of those things that's like that guy is probably heading towards a very large second contract with this team. He's probably becoming a face of the franchise kind of guy in in the way an offensive lineman can. You know, a Nick Mangold, a Tyron Smith, you know, a Jason Kelsey, a Quentin Nelson kind of guy. Right. Um, Even to say, like, well, there's a young core that's something to start with. I mean, even the way the defense is built, I mean, there's a couple of— It's kind of built to Patrick Graham's pleasure, to be honest. Yeah, but again, there may not be a Patrick Graham next year. There so, probably won't be. Right, so if there's no Patrick Graham next year, the next guy come in, this might not be what he wants. That's very and true. Might, and you might see a different scheme potentially. You might see, you know, and again, factoring in salary cap things. You know, there's some guys that were brought in on some pretty, you know, hefty uh, salaries that just may not fit anymore. So, I mean... Well, I mean, you look at the top contenders, the the... the the top players of this team, and on offense, you talk about you know the exciting guys of Saquon Barkley and Kadarius Tony are exciting, and that's about it. Um, is, is is Barkley exciting anymore? Yes, he's exciting. I I think he is. He's I mean, playing I, I, in a I, shitty off. I mean, come on, he's playing Jason Garrett garbage bullshit offense with no offensive line, no running back is going to look good. That's so. I mean, it just is what it is. I look yeah, at what he, he does, did with Pat Sherman. There wasn't even like the ran- there was like there wasn't even the random four or five plays this year. It's like okay, there's still the old Barkley there. I mean, even plays where he managed to get outside and get like 15, 20 yards. And, and again, let's give let's give some leeway for them because he had a very very serious injury. And, and also probably, an ankle injury that he played and, and probably needs another year to be fully healthy coming into next season. So there's we'll that. Them. There's that, but also, like I said, he rolled his. He had a sprained ankle by week three, four. Mm-hmm. So I mean, returning from ACL, then sprained ankle, and not for nothing, he's running into a wall in the backfield as well. So you know, yeah. yes, Saquon Barkley is an exciting player when he gets into space. If only we had an offensive coordinator that could do that, and if only we had an offensive line that could block. Oh well, but we, I mean, but, but, but I mean, the, I'm the, talking about a fresh. Stop, stop. We're we're looking at Barkley all the wrong way. We're talking about a new GM and a new head coach coming in. Is Barkley exciting? Yes or no? The answer is yes. That is that's just a fact. He's under contract. He's not going anywhere. No one's going to trade for him. So what you have is what you have. He's an exciting well, piece. Well, 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 so let's let's frame this conversation so we're on the same page. What it's not something to build around, though. 
what does this team have to inherit for 2022 or what is this team for building? A well, you didn't let me finish. I was, I was yeah. trying to say the yeah. exciting guys of Saquon Barkley and Kadarius Tony are only mildly exciting. Kadarius Tony has to show that he's available to be something to build around. Saquon Barkley is not something to be on. He will not be here beyond his original contract. I seriously, seriously, seriously doubt. So those two guys are right off the bat. Not really that enticing for a new guy to come in. Kadarius Tony more so than Barkley. Daniel Jones, not that enticing. There's stuff there to work with. You can work with him. But, I mean, he's not shown anything to be excited about. Kenny Galladay is something that has – he has a career that shows, you know, outside of the Jason Garrett offense that he is something to be excited about. But he's a really high-priced guy. He's not young, and he's not cheap. You know, Sterling Shepard – yeah, and, and he's not durable. That's always been his problem. You have Andrew Thomas. That's about it. There's nothing really to complain about with Andrew Thomas there. Um, definitely solidify himself as a top five tackle in the league. He's getting there. He is getting there. Remember, hurt for two years too. Um, three offensive line coaches also in the last mm-hmm. two years. So there's that. And then you flip to the defense. I think Aziz Ojolari is something to be – excited about to work around as a new head coach coming in he's he's gonna be here for a while plus he's extremely young uh so there's that xavier mckinney i think is another one um that's someone you can build around but again this is not all world talent i don't think i think he's a very good free safety i think the window of opportunity for you to utilize him may not be well it's not going to be charles woodson level of window of opportunity we'll say that um and then the other guys on defense Blake Martinez, James Bradbury. Blake Martinez is hurt for starters. James Bradbury, Adoree Jackson, Leonard Williams, all those, all high-priced guys. And those are the next ones. I mean, you can get somewhat excited, I guess, about Dexter Lawrence. He's not really under a, a rookie contract for much longer. Yeah, I mean. No longer talking, than Daniel Jones. If we're talking what we're building around, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so really, there's not much. That's <laughs> what we're basically saying. So you said you went 5-0 and this weekend. Tell me all about it. 5-0. and I mean, I think it's never happened in recorded history that anybody has predicted the, the, uh, every game of the playoffs through the Super Bowl, but I am on the road for 5-0 and so far. The first five. Uh, I hit the Bengals, and I hit Buffalo on, on Saturday. Uh, you know, a lot of things like with, with gambling, you know, and this is not going to become a gambling show, guys, so don't think we're going to be doing this, you know, going forward talking about my personal picks or anything but the more time you have to think about it people start getting contrarian views about things like you know people started talking themselves into the raiders like you know oh maybe the raiders maybe the raiders nah i have two things i look at a playoff uh, game i always look at who's a better coach who's a better quarterback i don't even worry so much about home field advantage anymore to me because it feels like you know more teams are playing in domes. There's better grass. There's better things. It's easier access to get tickets than it was 10, 15 years ago. So you have a lot of away fans. I mean, look at how many San Francisco fans are in Dallas, for example. So to me, when I'm looking at like picking games and stuff, to me, it's always who has the better head coach, who has the better quarterback. And to me, those are two no-brainers on Saturday, right? I mean, Joe Burrow and, uh, and, and Josh, and Josh Allen. Allen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me, those are those are kind of no-brainers. Yeah, I think I think also just looking at the offense because the playoffs starts to become who is capable of scoring all the points, and mm-hmm. you know it's just you get roadblocks of defense in there, right? Where it's just like ah, I mean that's a tough defense they have to go against. But if any offense continually puts up forty points, even going up against a good defense, it's just a matter of can their defense hold their offense to under twenty points or something like that. So I look at a lot of the offense stuff, and, and Buffalo is just a juggernaut offense. Um, you know, just so easy to see. And that kind of mostly stayed in tune for most of the weekend, right? Tampa Bay, another juggernaut offense. Just, I mean, Philly truly didn't belong. And not for nothing, it was we were kind of talking about, you know, the beginning of 2021 and how we felt about 2022 or 2020 and, uh, you know, the way they ended that year. If Philly didn't tank last year and the Giants snuck into the playoffs, it probably would have looked a lot like that Tampa Bay game, to be honest. Oh, of course. Yeah. I remember something too, and this is something that people have been complaining about, saying that, you know, having an extra playoff team 
and the extra game is is bad because there's been blowouts this week. Um, it's just too small of a sample size yet. But also, to me, it's always a net positive. I think having an extra team in the playoffs makes the final month of the season more exciting for more fan bases and for even just us. You know, when you know the playoffs are kind of decided already. When you get to week sixteen and seventeen, you have a lot of games that are just completely meaningless. You know, starting quarterbacks are benched, and it's just garbage. When you have an extra playoff spot, you all of a sudden, you know, have five and six and seven teams that are thinking about that final three, four weeks. It just makes it more exciting and more interesting having those possibilities. So, okay, is there a team like Philly that's in the playoffs that's probably going to get, you know, trucked by a team like Tampa Bay? That's very possible. But to me, the net excitement for the last four or five weeks more than offsets that. And play, uh, blowouts happen all the time. I mean, how many how many years in a row was a Super Bowl blowout, you know, back in the old, when people would think of the golden days of like Dallas and San Francisco winning the you know, Super Bowl. So the playoffs are not designed for your entertainment. Playoffs are designed to determine a champion. And if there are blowouts along the way, you know, so be it. So I, I don't have a problem with the extra team coming in because it made December more exciting for me. I mean, it's all designed for our entertainment. But, uh, I mean, adding that extra team is not to determine the best team. That is for entertainment. And it was entertaining watching Philly lose. Um, but also it's entertaining anyway because, to me, if, if you have to suffer through three years of dealing with a seventh seed getting absolutely blown out, and in that fourth year that seventh seed makes it all the way to the AFC or NFC championship game, then it's worth it. That's just the way I view it. Because then there was a team that probably belonged and probably had some midseason catastrophe that they recovered from just enough to sneak in, but truly did belong. Um, so I don't have a problem with it. Now, you were very heavily invested in the San Francisco-Dallas game. That was more so than most Giants fans because you have a slight 49ers, um, I guess, I don't want to say bias, but but uh, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I ma- I married Sourdough, Sourdough Sam over here. So, yeah, she's a huge 49er fan. So, obviously, my main investment was making sure Dallas lost. So, Mal- Dallas could become the butt of jokes for yet another year. So, congratulations to them. They'll, I'm sure they'll win the offseason again. Good for them. But uh, that San Francisco team, I mean, they are the two or three bad throws a game from Jimmy G away from being – a very, very serious threat to Green Bay or Tampa Bay. I mean, they got some problems now. They got some very significant injuries coming up that they, they, they suffered this past week, but mm. that seems solid. And, you know, well know, coached. And we talked about this last week. We we're talking about the GM search. They built that team the right way and fast. And Definitely fast. I, I just, I don't know about the right way. I'm a little more lukewarm on San Francisco then. But go on. What, 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 what's your. Jimmy G. I mean... They, they they hitched their wagon to him in the biggest way. Huge trade and then followed up with a massive contract. And would you say he is the weakest starter on that team? On the whole team? Starter? On, on, on the 49ers? I have to do an evaluation of all 22. But is I it mean, at least in the conversation that the quarterback might be one of the weakest points? Uh, Well, I mean, you know... They also he's drafted. They drafted a quarterback. Already. I was just gonna say he's also kind of viewed now as a stopgap. But to me, that's a good organization where they made the investment in the guy. They they went out, they got him, they made the investment, and if it's not working, they are planning for life after him. Well, so, so the way I view it is, I don't think I think he became a stopgap, and I think they did a good job of making him a stopgap. The more impressive thing was making the team solid despite the giant contract. That is where I give them the credit. Yeah, I mean, I guess at the time when they got him, you, know, you have the opportunity to get a guy who everybody thought was going to be, you know, I guess a lot of people thought he was going to be eventually the heir, the, the heir apparent to, to Brady in New England. And Brady just never got old and never got bad. And, and they just, you know, they decided to move on from him. But I don't have any problem at all with, with making, you know, trading for him and even giving him what they gave up. And even, you know, what is his contract I mean relative to other starting quarterbacks in the league? I forget. I, I, I think when it was given to him, he was the highest paid. Right, but those things always kind of move. So it's they still, always change, but he didn't deserve I, – I mean, 
I, the, the fork fell out of my hand when I read it. I mean, that's that's my point. I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying it is, in my opinion, a blemish of, of, of how much of that wagon got hitched to that, um, especially given the injuries and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean... He, but they've he, recovered he from it. If Trey Lance... And guess what? If they go in next week and they beat uh, Green Bay, I think <laughs> all worth it, right? Well, let's slide into that. We're talking about betting. We've got some games coming up here. Cincinnati is at Tennessee. Tennessee is minus 3.5. I feel Tennessee's mm. got this one. I, I, I do too. I think, you know, in the first weekend of like wildcard weekend, quite often you'll see a wildcard team that's better than the the, the, the host, you know, the, the, the division winner. Yeah. Uh, but now the Tennessee, Tennessee – Derrick Henry's playing and he's held healthy enough. They're they're awfully tough to beat. And I'm just I'm still not sold on on Cincinnati. It's one of those teams that maybe just my own perception of them in my head, but I have to see it to really really believe it. I just I think know. they're a year away from really competing. They're still I, they're still not very good. Yeah, they're I just agree. they're just good in the right places. Right. They they have a really an up and coming quarterback who's going to get better and better and better, and he's got you know a great wide receiver. But I think there's still some work to be done. I don't think they're not ready for prime time just yet. No, San Francisco is at Green Bay though. Green Bay is minus five and a half. I think people are forgetting about Green Bay. I yeah, think really, I think Green Bay's really got back. this. I mean, I mean, let's you know, everywhere right now is all over Buffalo. They, you know, they're you know, oh, that seems to be really tough to beat going forward and everything. But Green Bay's good. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, as much as a prick he is, he's really good. And they got the home field advantage in deep January. And, and all the injuries that San Francisco had this past week. Yeah, I mean they're really. I mean they they lost so many key guys in that game. And if Jimmy G throws that horrendous pick like he did last week, it could be curtains. So, uh, what was the interesting thing? You you uh, you texted me something yesterday about what was your analysis of back to back Dak and Jimmy G? That was really good. I tweeted it today too. Um, I, I, but those were true in the moment things where I was just like I couldn't contain it anymore. I've been saying it for a long time, but Dak Prescott is a pedestrian quarterback on a stacked offense, and I said change my mind, and you said I can't, and then I said basically a similar thing about Jimmy G. I said Jimmy G is a pedestrian quarterback or a, a below. I think I said. Dak was a, a slightly above average quarterback on a stacked offense and that Jimmy G was a average quarterback on a good offense with a really good head coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think both of those things are true. I, I, I agree. Yeah. I think, hey, right now, I, I know we've done this a few times in the past. How do you rank right now the, the four quarterbacks in the East, NFC East? Dak is... Dak is at the top. I mean, I don't know. It's so hard because I don't know what Dak is when guys are hurt or, or missing or, or whatever. You know, um, I don't I don't know what Dak is like with pedestrian talent, really. Uh, but I guess I would say Dak is probably at the top. Um, well, let, let's forget about him for a minute. Let's assume that Daniel Jones is healthy next year. And you had a draft. Would you take Daniel Jones or Jalen Hurts? I would take Daniel Jones. He's more the style of quarterback. I, I, he's a better thrower. I mean, that is just yeah. a fact. Um, Jalen Hurts can make a lot of things happen to help you win games. But those are the kind of things you see when your team is bad. You know what I mean? He can make up for busted plays and, and make something happen out of it but like he's not like the russell wilson where he's always looking downfield to make the throw and and escapability is kind of a a means to get there Jalen hurts yeah yeah exactly um that's the difference there um i think when Jalen hurts has to sit in the pocket and he's really got to throw to make the, he looks terrible now he could get better i i don't know I'm not saying he's forever that bad, but right now, Daniel Jones is more... For me, Daniel Jones, a lot of what I'm worried about with him is his availability now. Mm-hmm. He's not been available, um, right. and that makes him kind of bad, um, especially since right now I don't know what his next status is. You know, Especially when you have to make a major decision about uh, picking up the fifth year or not with him. Or, yeah. yeah. And then, so, we would say, then we would say... Uh, Heineke? Well, Fitzpatrick is technically the uh, the starter, right? I, at this point, I think I think uh, I think Fitzpatrick was only signed for a year, so no. Okay. 
But also, I think at this point, if he wasn't signed for just a year, they're going to cut him and just roll with Heineke. Because at this point, you know, yeah, they probably need a better quarterback, but forget it. Just I mean, forget it. Heineke is not going to offer you too much less than a cheap veteran. So you mm-hmm. might as well just roll with him and let him keep getting better and see what you have and then just Agreed. draft a good one. Agreed. Um, we're recording this in the middle of the Arizona and Rams game, so we're going to skip that. So we don't know who Tampa Bay is playing at this time, but tell me what you think about Buffalo at Kansas City and we'll wrap this up. <laughs> it's at minus two and a half for Kansas City, by the way. It's a hell of a game, and uh, I am gonna go. I'm gonna go with Kansas City. And also, if you don't know this about me, I usually tend to stick with favorites <laughs> most of the time. I, uh, but Kansas City, you know, for all the doldrums they were in the middle of the season when they played us, was probably close to the low point of their of their of their season, even though they did beat us. They're back, and we saw a clinic. I mean, again, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is the uh, you know the Philly equivalent on the AFC of a team that probably shouldn't even be in the playoffs to begin with, but mm. he's the Mahomes just sliced through that defense and that is going to be a hell of a game. I mean, you're going to have two quarterbacks that are playing the best, you know, they probably played in their careers, both of them right now. They're both on a roll. Um, I think there is a home field advantage in Kansas city where other yes. places might not. Um, I think it'll be you know high scoring and close, but I think Kansas City will win. I think they'll, I think they'll cover. Would you say the line was two and a half? I think it's going to be you know they'll win by within a touchdown. I think I'm I'm going Buffalo on this one, man, and I'll, I'll say it this way: is I like their defense more. I think they have more of a shot to stop a high powered offense than Kansas City does. Uh, I'm not a huge believer in Steve Spagnuolo, believe it or not. Um, I think I think history has shown us enough that he is good at times. Um, but mostly bad. So, uh, you know, this is going to come down to a shootout. These are two high-powered offenses, and right now I think it's going to come down to which defense can slow down the other one enough. Even though Kansas City's offense I believe in more, I just think that they're going to struggle to score enough points to outscore Buffalo in this game. But it's going to be close for sure. That's what I definitely feel like. I think it's going to be about a seven-point game, six-point game. And highly entertaining too, I think. I hope so. Yeah. That's what we aim for. Those are two of the most exciting quarterbacks you'll ever see, I think, just for making things happen and uh, creating something out of nothing, but not in a way of, like, desperation. Uh, it's almost like part of the game plan. Like, some of these throws that Mahomes make are just like, yeah, we designed that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Josh Allen to some extent as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. This was a long one, um, but that's okay. Um, so... Like we said at the top of the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan show is audio as well. iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google play. Um, and, uh, of course on YouTube where we have a bunch more subscribers where you get to see our beautiful faces. And like I said, at the top, there will be in the very near future, some video content alongside of that. So subscribing to YouTube is probably a good idea if you're into that. If not, whatever. All right, guys, we will see you next time. Go Giants. Go Giants.